Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the many blessings that you pour out on us. I thank you for this time that we can come together, fellowship, be in your presence, wait, wait on you just to just to hear from you. I thank you that you are a good, good father, and that you're always taking care of us and watching over us, and going ahead of us, preparing our way. Just ask that you bless each person here today, Father. Each person who comes in. Speak to us today, Father. In the name of Jesus.
might see a theme going on here this morning. It's about not being afraid and trusting God. There is so much fear going in our world right now. I don't know how else to explain it. But it's not from God. There are so many verses in the Bible about not being afraid. So, here's another one. Be strong and take courage. Do not fear. God is telling us that all the time. I know that's a struggle for a lot of us to really not fear. So, for now, just let it start here. Let go of all of that and allow God to take the fear because He wants to replace it with His love. Yes.
Happy Memorial Day weekend. We are going to celebrate not only what God has done, but what many, many people have done. Yes. And we rejoice and we celebrate in all of our military, our armed services, men and women who go all over the world helping to protect our freedoms, and we appreciate that. Yes. I want to read you a passage of scripture. This is uh, Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And as for man, his days are like grass, a flower of the field. He flourishes, the wind passes over, and it's gone. This place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to the children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those who remember His commandments to do them. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord. All you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen. I know that was long, but I want you to understand that we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. We ought to be worshiping the Lord. We ought to be blessing the Lord with all this within us. It ought to just be flowing out of us all the time because God's mercy is so great towards us. He said that in this passage... He said, He has not dealt with us according to our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions, but He has dealt with us according to His great mercy. Aren't you glad? Yes. Where would we be if God dealt with us according to our sins? There would be no hope, but He's dealt with us according to His great mercy. He extended His mercy towards us when we were sinners, when we were His enemies, when we didn't care anything about Him. He extended His great mercy towards us. That's what we're rejoicing in today. That's why we're celebrating today, because His great mercy has been poured out on us today. Thank you, Lord God. So today, Lord, we choose to worship you. We choose to remember what you've done, Lord. We choose to remember those who have gone before us, those who have fought and died in wars and in all kinds of activities serving this great nation, Lord. And I pray that you would cause this people, your people, to rise up and be the body of Christ as you've called us to be, Lord. 
that we would worship you with all of our heart today, that our souls would bless you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. We will lift and exalt you up, Lord, because you alone are worthy to be praised. Come and have the praises of your people now and give us your presence. In Jesus' name, let's stand and worship.
That's what we want to do today. We want to honor you. We want to enter into the Holy of Holies. We want to come into the very presence where you are, Lord. You've invited us. You said that we could come with boldness and confidence to your throne. In our time of health and needs where we, we are struggling, and Lord, I know there are lots of people in this nation and even in this body who are going through difficult times, going through struggles, going through uh, losses and pain and sorrow and grieving. We're going through uh, challenges where we're not sure how we're going to navigate our way through it. And Lord, yep, you have made a way. You made that new living way that we can come right into your very presence and we can experience your abounding goodness towards us, Lord. I pray this morning that, that that's what would happen, Lord, that as we enter you and enter into your presence and come near to you, that your goodness would just pour out over us. It would abound towards us. That we would experience your goodness in a fresh new way, Lord. And the words that you have for each one of us, Lord, our ears would be tuned in to you so that we can hear the words that you're saying to each one of us. You're saying, peace, be still. You're saying, rise and be healed. You're saying, I am willing. I thank you, Lord, that you are willing. Whatever our needs are, you have invited us to come to present our needs before you. You said we could find grace to help in our time of need. So, Lord, that's what we want to do this morning. We want to present our needs to you. I want to hear those words of life, Lord. No one else can speak a word of life to me but you. You alone have the words of life. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you speak to each one of us here. At our point of need, that we'd be encouraged, that we would experience that life-giving spirit come and flow in our, in our hearts and minds so that we would be changed, transformed by your glory and your presence, Lord. We lay everything before you. All of our past, all of our present, and all of our future, Lord. You are Lord and God over all of it. And I lay it before you and I invite you to have your way, Lord. Speak to my past. Assure me that I am forgiven, that I'm cleansed. Assure me that my sins and my guilt and shame are no longer on your mind. The enemy tries to put them on my mind, but they're no longer on your mind because you said your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. You have chosen to not remember them anymore, Lord. Thank you for that. Help me to know that. My struggles that I face today, Lord, I want to hear you say, I want to hear you say that you are with me, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because you are with me and you never leave me, you never forsake me, and you never fail. And your love never runs out, it never ends, it never stops. Your love is enduring for all generations. Lord, I thank you that you're with me for my tomorrows too, my future, the uncertainties, not sure what's going to happen, not sure how my body is going to or how my body is going to react to things that have happened. Not sure how my finances are going to be or, or my home or my car or my family, my children, grandchildren. 
relationships. Lord, I, I have questions about the future, but I know you hold my future. You hold my future, Lord. I can trust you. I can count on you to always be there because you walk with me. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that my faith is in you and my great assurance of your salvation in me is great and it's sure, Lord. You have given me so many promises. Your word speaks, tells us that you've made these wonderful, great, exceeding, precious promises that we can be partakers. Hallelujah. Partakers of your divine nature, Lord. We can become like you. You make us to be like you. Change us, mold us, and make us into the image of the Son. And Lord, I thank you that you are working a mighty work in each one of us. You're bringing assurance to each one of us about our sins being gone. Assurance to each one of us that today is going to be okay because you're with me. And assurance that tomorrow is going to be a better day because your mercy is new and fresh every morning. And we, we rejoice in that, Lord. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Say it with me, folks. He is good and his mercy endures forever. He is good and his mercy endures forever. You are good and your mercy endures forever, Lord. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Lord God. You alone are worthy. You alone can take a rotten sinner and turn him into a, a happy, healthy person who is successful walking in a relationship with you, the living God. Oh, Lord. You alone can change a heart. You alone can love the unlovable. And you alone, Lord, can extend that great mercy that never fails. I thank you for that, Lord. We don't deserve it, and yet you pour it out on us. Lord, as a nation, we are messed up and we have problems and issues, but Lord, pour your mercy out on us. We ask, Lord, that you would not deal with us according to our sins and our iniquities, but deal with us according to your great mercy, Lord. We deserve death and punishment. We deserve everything that's going on, and yet, Lord, you are rich in mercy. You are great in your mercy, Lord. We cry out to you and say, be merciful to us, Lord. Heal this nation. Heal this nation. Deliver us, Lord. Deliver us from the evil, and deliver us from the evil one. Open our eyes, Lord, and give us eyes for truth and discernment to see the difference between truth and deception, Lord. The coming generations, the young people, they would begin to hear the truth and see the truth, know the truth. They wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to, to be deceived by the evil one, Lord. Turn our hearts as a people. Turn our hearts, Lord, as, as the people of God, those who claim your name, Lord. Turn us. Let us rise up and be body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you're here this morning, Lord. Your presence it is so refreshing, Lord. Your presence is all we need. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go before me, then I don't want to go. Lord, that's my desire too, that if your presence goes before me, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. But if you're not going before me, then I'm, I'm not going to go. I trust in you, Lord. Lord, we lift up those in our body who are sick. Um, Sister Sandy's 
being checked this morning, Lord, and I just pray that you would heal her completely, deliver her, whatever's going on, Lord, that you would just cause that to go now in Jesus' name, and she would be healed and restored. Fill Mitch and Sandy with your peace, Lord. Give them your presence right now. Let them know without any doubt that you are healing and restoring her, and that the future, her future, their future is in your hands, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, continue to heal others. Al, Lord, that you just work in him and continue to restore his back, Lord. And, uh, let him figure out all the things that he needs to learn and know and do so that, that his life can be put back in order just the way he was before and even better, Lord. I thank you for, for all that has happened with his, uh, his surgery and the results, Lord. It's, a, it's successful. We just ask that you continue to heal him and raise him up, Lord. Lord, we lift up the moon family. Thank you for delivering them, Lord. They have safely moved out of uh, Myanmar and they are in Bangkok, Thailand. But I thank you that you have rescued them and you are moving with them and blessing them, protecting them. Continue to go before and prepare the way, Lord. We thank you for all that you do. And Lord, I thank you that you are here this morning and you are touching us. I am so grateful that your presence always shows up. Lord, when we worship you, you come and you speak life, love, and peace, and joy, hope over so that, that we don't have to be hopeless and in despair, but we can be hopeful because you hold our hands and you lead us into the future. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This weekend uh, is kind of a special weekend for me. Um, how many of you are veterans? Raise your hand if you're a veteran. You know, I want to thank you for your service. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend is, is a solemn time. We come and we, we remember those who have perished before us in battle. And some of them come home and are still in a battle. Uh, 20, every day, 20 veterans commit suicide. So, if you see a veteran, thank them and ask if you can pray for them. Most of them will be very open to that. Alright, got a video, and then we're, we'll pray after that. Today, we celebrate our great country by remembering those who made the ultimate sacrifice. As we pause from the fire trucks and parades and grill outs, we bask in our freedom by honoring our heroes, heroes shrouded in silence, but not forgotten. I've been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a lost soul overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. 
I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully. In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved, and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. <clears throat> Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you, from failing hands, we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, for poppies grow in Flanders fields. Chapter, or excuse me, verses 11, 
We're going to read through 15. We're not going to talk about all those verses probably, but I want to read it all in context. And sorry if uh, talking about circumcision concerns you a little bit. I'm sorry, but uh, I have painful memories of that. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have remember what I did last week, much less something that long ago. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it is a, it's a thing that everybody knows about on some level. Uh, anyway, verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them in it, that is, in his cross and what he accomplished at the cross. So there's a lot, there's a lot of information here. And uh, I want to give you some, some definitions of some of these words and talk about it so that we'll hopefully understand it. And you read, what I'm hoping is that uh, as we discuss these things each week, that when you read the scripture, then some of these words will come back to your remembrance and you'll think, oh yeah, I remember what that means. Or, oh yeah, we talked about this over there in Colossians 2. And when you read Paul saying some of the same things in Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians, it's like, oh yeah, I know what this is about. So when you study God's word, when you begin to understand <coughs> the basic things that the Lord is speaking, then other things begin to come alive to you. And so, the circumcision that they're talking about here, so let me just say, uh, it literally means to to be or become in the state of having one's foreskin cut off for ritual purposes. That's pretty blunt. It's a pruning. It's a cutting away. And uh, it was a sign of the covenant with the children of Israel. God, when he made the, the covenant, he said, this is, I'm making this covenant with you, and every male on the eighth day is going to be circumcised, and that is a sign between me and you. I'm doing my part of the covenant, you do this part, and that signifies that you are in covenant with me. And I don't think it's, uh, it's not insignificant that it's the male sex organ, because I think he wants, he wanted all the males to understand that your whole future, everything about your life is connected to me. And when I, when I have my sex organ circumcised, then that means that every time I go to the bathroom, every time I undress, every time I wash, every time I do anything uh, in intimate and sexual activity, all of that, I am remembering that I am in covenant with God. That's what the Israelites did. And so, in the Old Covenant, things were more outward. Now, God was always after men's hearts, but he 
he related to them with outward things. He gave us the law so that we would understand the things that we should do and the things that we shouldn't do, things that were good for us and bad for us so that we could live a happy, healthy, successful life. He gave us the covenant. He made that sign on our part. The circumcision was a sign that we had cut away the old flesh, we had cut away the old man, and we said, okay, now we're in covenant with you. Everything we do from this point forward, we're all in. We're in covenant with you. And every time I remember that, I remember it's a sign that you've made promises to me and you're going to do what you said you would do. In Corinthians, Paul, in uh, chapter 15, he talks about bodies and uh, heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. And he said, There's, it's always the natural first and then the spiritual. And so in the Old Covenant, God revealed himself to us in ways that we could understand. He said, I'm going to make this covenant. I'm going to make a, it's, a, it's a contract between you and I we're agreeing that you know I'm going to do certain things and you're going to do certain things. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. I'm going to do all the things that I said I would do and you're going to be circumcised and you're going to obey my, my law. You're going to worship me, worship me alone, and I'm going to be your God. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. That's the covenant. You both have a side of the covenant to fulfill. The new covenant, Jesus came, and when he, when he died on the cross, he became the sacrifice. He became the new covenant. The new covenant, our part is to accept it by faith. He does both parts, which is very similar to what uh, God did when he made a covenant with Abram. It was a covenant of promise. He didn't tell Abram, you have to do a bunch of stuff. He just said, prepare a sacrifice, prepare these animals, and Abram cut them in half, and then he fell asleep. God caused him to fall asleep, and then God came down in the form of a, of a fiery smoking pot, and he walked between the parts of the animals, which was the process for uh, making a covenant. And when he did that, he basically said, I'm going to take responsibility for my side of the covenant and your side. And you just accept it and walk in it by faith. I'll take care of all the actual stuff that's involved in a covenant. But when God made the covenant with the children of Israel, it was not a covenant of promise. It was a covenant of the law. He said, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. This is the way it's going to work. You enter into the covenant and you obey and I'll do everything I've said. So the old covenant was filled with types and shadows, things that show us in the natural, things that we can see and understand plainly and clearly what God was going to do in the spiritual that was to come in Christ. They had this, this uh, expression, the Shekinah glory. That's not in the Bible, but it's, it's understood to be His manifest presence. The presence like the pillar of cloud and fire when, when they would go into the tabernacle and the, the cloud would be over the, the mercy seat or when the cloud would be over the, the tabernacle of meeting that was the Shekinah glory it came when they dedicated the tabernacle it came when they dedicated the temple it filled the place that, that couldn't even stand to minister that the presence of God was so amazing and so awesome everybody just like they couldn't even hardly stand it they had that as a physical sign but under the New Covenant, we've got something even better. 
We've got the indwelling Spirit of Christ in us. We've got the glory of God that comes with Jesus. In, in Jesus, as a human being, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him in a bodily form. So that same Christ lives in us now, and we have that glory of God, even more so than the Shekinah glory of the old days. We have it living within us. It's available to us all the time. The presence of God goes with us. We don't have to worry about, you know, if the cloud is going to rise and, and go and we need to follow. We don't have to worry about if God's going to show up when we dedicate the temple because He is there all the time. He's in your heart. The natural first, then the spiritual. That's the order. That's the way it always is. And so in the Old Covenant, there were types and shadows showing us how God was going to accomplish all this final work. But it was it was in physical, natural ways that we could see and understand. But he wanted us to understand that there was going to come a time where it would all be spiritual. And it wouldn't be just a Shekinah glory ex experience for a few minutes here, and then ten years later, or a hundred years later here. But he wants us to have his presence all the time. So the circumcision was a sign that they were entering into covenant with him. And all of God's goodness and the promise that He was going to be their God and they were going to be His people. And the circumcision of their flesh was the sign of that. But now we have the circumcision of our hearts. It's a spiritual thing. We're cutting away the deadness of our hearts. We're cutting away all the old stuff, all the wrong and all the stuff that needs to be healed and changed. And a new heart. It's all being cut away, stripped away so that we can enter into this relationship with the Lord and it will be even more glorious than what they had in the Old Covenant. Because the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant. It's based on better promises. It's based on a better mediator. It's based on better everything because it's based on Jesus, not, uh, not a, a sign like circumcision or not like uh, other things that the Old Covenant was based on, keeping the law. This is based on Christ keeping along. Remember, He came. He lived the perfect life. He walked every day with the Lord. He never sinned. He never failed. And He fulfilled the law. And because He fulfilled the law, then we don't have to keep the law. Amen. We're supposed to do the things that are right, and we're not supposed to do the things that are wrong. But He said, I have put my law in your hearts now. And I've written it in your minds. So we don't have to keep a list like we used to. We read God's Word and we, and we learn what He says, the things that are good for us to do, the things that we ought not do. We know that. And it's in our heart. And it's our heart that wants to obey. It's not like, oh my gosh, I've got this list. I've got to keep this list. If you live by a list, you're going to be frustrated all the time. I get frustrated at work with a list. I write things down and there are things to do and at the end of the day I look back and like, Wow, I didn't do one thing on that list. And I start thinking, well, what did I do? So I start writing them down so I bark them off. By God, I'm going to get something done today. You know, I have to make them up. Um, sorry, Tim, that doesn't happen. He's my boss. Actually, I am busy, but sometimes I don't do anything that I thought I was going to do when I started planning the day. And, uh, but what I have found is trying to keep a list will frustrate the life out of you. I mean, if you, if you are bound to lists, 
then uh, you're going to be frustrated a lot because you don't always get through the list. Some things on the list you don't do. Some things you fail. And you look at that list and it's like, oh man, yeah, I didn't do so good. And, and I'm not saying don't use a list. I'm just saying, that's the way it is spiritually though. If, if you're trying to keep the law in your heart and mind, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be miserable. Because you're not perfect. You, you, yeah. you, need to, you need to do the heart list. I mean, it needs to be from your heart. You do what's right because it's what's in your heart. It's what God has put in your mind and you just live it. You do it because you want to. Mitch has a saying that um, he says, if you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, you know what comes out? Toothpaste. That's because that's what's inside the tube. So when life situations are squeezing you, what comes out ought to be what's in your heart. And if Jesus is in your heart, then good things ought to be coming out, not not bad things. Amen. So if you want to kick the dog every time something doesn't go right, well, you might need a heart check. <laughs> might need a heart check. So. The Old Covenant was based on outward uh, types and shadows. The New Covenant is all based on an inward work in our hearts. And so if we read on, uh, it says, uh, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. So if it's made without hands, that means it's not man-made. That denotes something that's created by the infinite and eternal God as opposed to something that's finite and temporarily uh, temporal humanity. So that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. So this work that God does in our hearts, it's not made with human hands. It's not like uh, a physical circumcision. It is a spiritual circumcision of our heart. The old is being trimmed away and we're being made into a new creation. That's what it says. We, if any man is in Christ, old things have passed away, all things become new. I mean, we, we are a new creation and all things are becoming new. And that circumcision of our heart is taking place. It was a one-time act, and it's an ongoing act. It's, uh, it's always going on. The word sanctification, that's what that means. But what it really means is that God is changing you. He is cleaning you up. He is changing you to become like His Son, Jesus. That's what we are all about. As believers, that ought to be our everyday activity, trying to become more like Jesus. And we do that by reading the Word, we do it by praying, we do it by worshiping the Lord, we do it by uh, having a, a heart that is after the Lord, we live a life of repentance, we are actively trying to become like Jesus. And if we are actively trying to become like Jesus, the grace of God will enable you to do wonderful things that you don't think you can do. But you have to be part of the program. You've got to be part of the process. If you, if you just pull back and you say, well, I don't want to do it anymore, uh, you're not going to become like Jesus. You're going to be dead in the water, so to speak. We need to stay in the process because it's a, it is an ongoing experience. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I haven't reached it yet. You're not reached it yet. You've got to keep going. We're like Paul said, you know, I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm going. I'm going forward. I'm not going to stop. Man, last week was good. I'll just stay there forever. Yeah. You can't do that. Just think if you did that at work. You know, I worked hard last week, so I don't have to work anymore. 
Yeah, you wouldn't have a job long. That's the honest truth. Why would it be any different spiritually? Just because we had great success last week or yesterday or 10 years ago or whatever. I mean, we've got to keep moving forward with the Lord. Keep moving forward. Because it's all about moving with Him. Sometimes he wants, to, he wants us to take a little R&R. &R. He wants us to stop and rest. And he wants us to soak in his presence. When the children of Israel, here again, physical, natural thing. They, were at, they had the tabernacle. They had all the tents. The presence of God was there in a, in a physical form. A pillar of cloud in the heat of the day and a pillar of fire at night. It was right there. And he said, when I move, you move. And when I stay, you stay. They knew exactly when to move. Because when the cloud moves, they're like, whoa, cut them out, move them out, it's time to go. They packed up and moved. And when the cloud stayed, they just stayed there. It didn't matter if it was one day, two days. Sometimes they stayed for a year or so in one spot. We need to have that same attitude of where we are in the mindset that we're going to do whatever God is leading us to do. And it's a daily activity. He wants to change us daily, but we need to be following Him daily. If we're not following Him, it's just not going to be very successful trying to become like Him. So, the purpose of the circumcision that we're talking about in our heart is so that we can put off, we can put off the body of the sins of the flesh. So putting off, it's a, it's a state of losing, it's an undressing. The act of leaving a certain state or condition uh, it's like being divested of a garment or removing something or stripping it off. You have to be willing to, to take some stuff off sometimes. But that's what happens to a spiritual. When we give ourselves to the Lord, He begins to strip that stuff away if we're, if we're just willing. Because He will come to us and say, Hey, I really like this to be different in your life. I really would like you to change this particular thing. I really don't think you should be kicking the dog anymore. I really don't think you should fuss at your husband or your wife when this happens. I really think you should just keep your mouth shut and listen sometimes. The Lord wants to change us. And the way that happens is that we, we allow Him to change our heart and we begin to put off, strip away Strip away the things that are not pleasing to Him. Strip away the things that are signs of our old flesh. He wants us to put off the body of the sins of the flesh. You can read through all those different things, but they're, it's, it's all about the entirety of you, the body. That's the entirety of you. And He's talking about, this is a, is a spiritual um, expression your body physically is a hunk of flesh. You know, I'm a burning hunk of love. You know, I mean, yeah, that's you know, that's that's who you are. I mean, you have a physical body, but you also have a spiritual body. You, as a person, are a spiritual body, and he wants to he wants to change our hearts so that our entire organism, our entire body, is changed, and we put off the old man in its entirety and take on a new man. You can't keep the old. If you try to stay the way that you were, you defeat the whole purpose of it. The body of the sins, 
That Greek word for sins is harmartia. It means missing the mark. It's an act or a feeling that transgresses something forbidden or it ignores something required by God's law or character, whether it's in thought or feeling or speech or action. That's what I used to tell the kids at Beast Club. You know, a sin is anything you do that's wrong, doesn't matter if it's a thought or words or an action, anything you do is wrong, that's a sin. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a real complicated definition, but it's a missing of the mark. It's like, you, let's just say you're, you're shooting a bow and arrow at a target and, you know, you, you miss it completely. It just goes off. I've lost a lot of errors over the years because they miss the target. They just go and they get on the grass and you can't find them. Years later, I'm out there mowing. Like, what was that? You know, my error. Missing the mark. That's what a sin is. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. I mean, Sin cannot inherit the kingdom of God, don't get me wrong, but, but as a believer, we still sin. We still miss the mark sometimes. We have our, our eyes on the goal and we're pressing towards the mark, the prize, but sometimes we just don't make it. You know, We draw back and we fire away and the error gets lost because we missed the mark. That's what happens to us. All of us sometimes, we, we miss the mark. But he wants to take away the entirety of our body of sin. I mean, he wants us to be a new creation. And that, that is a one-time event when we're born again. And it's also an ongoing event that happens on a daily basis. Because we are crucifying our flesh. We are cutting away, stripping away the old, and we're allowing it to become new. Every day, it's like you're, you're killing your flesh. You're just saying to your flesh, no more. I'm not going to do that. Today, I'm not going to do that. I did it yesterday, but today is a different day. God's mercy is new and fresh every morning. It's a new opportunity, a new day. You know, I messed up yesterday, but today's a new day. Today, I've got hope. I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to be different today. That's what I love about God's mercy. It just keeps being poured out on me. And I, it doesn't matter how many times I mess up, He keeps pouring His mercy out on me. But the hope that we have that he's going to change us ought to be, it ought to be based on the scripture, it ought to be based in our relationship with the Lord, not in our physical strength. It's all about, it's happening in Christ. It's what he did. His work. His work on the cross. So, we are buried with him in baptism, is what verse 12 says. But we've been, so he's making two different, two different uh, correlations here. One, that we're circumcised spiritually, and the other is that we are buried and baptized spiritually. Now, if you have been a Christian for some period of time, you probably have been baptized in water, and if not, then you, know, you probably ought to be thinking about that. But... Um, <clears throat> So, buried with means to be buried together. To be or become placed in a grave with another or others. I never thought about that much, but uh, we are buried with Christ. I mean, in the spiritual sense, it's like we have literally been put into the tomb with Him. And we hang out with Him for a while. And then when he rose from the dead, 
we rise from the dead too. Because he is in us, and we are in him, then everything that we experience, he experiences. And everything that he experienced, we can relate to it because we are in him. He is in us, and we are in him. It's, that's a pretty amazing thing to think about. So we're buried with him, <clears throat> with others, and as a body of Christ, we're all buried, we are all buried with Christ. It's kind of crowded in that grave, but, uh, but the good thing is that we don't stay in the grave, right? Jesus didn't stay in the grave, and we don't stay in the grave. So we're all buried with Christ, but we're also raised with him through faith by the working of God. Now in Romans 6, 5, it says, If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see the picture that Jesus died, he rose again, and we are buried with him. We die to the old man, to the sin nature. We put that to death, and we, raise, we are raised again to life, to walk in newness of life in the new spiritual man. Our heart has been circumcised spiritually. It's been the bad stuff has been cut away. The old man has been cut away. And we've, we've changed who we are. We're not the same old man anymore. We are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. And we aren't just raised with him uh, just because that's what we, we say. We are raised by an actual working, an actual operation of a spiritual uh, thing that happened when Christ rose from the dead. The power that was in him resides in us. The dunamis power. That's what he says in Philippians. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And that's what we want. That dunamis power. That's the power of the Spirit that is working in us, raising us up to newness of life. So we're buried with Christ. We're dead to sin. But then we come alive and we're walking in this miraculous power that's changing us. If we submit ourselves, that power is working in us all the time, changing us. That's encouraging. Because you're not having to do it all on your own. That's what God's grace is for. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. The Spirit comes alongside of you and says, Hey, listen up. Yeah, I'm talking to you there. This thing you're doing, you need to change. This thing you're not doing, you need to start doing. You know, you wake up every morning, you're late, you need to get up a little so you can spend some time talking to me. You can commune with me a little bit. You need to get in my word a little bit. You need to spend more time worshiping me a little bit. 
The Spirit wants to help you change. The Word of God will help you change. And the God's grace gives you the ability to change. But it's only going to happen if you allow it. I mean, you can resist all that. The Holy Spirit will be whispering, I want you to do this. And you're saying, no thanks. Whispering, I need you to quit this. Ah, uh, not right now. Maybe later. If you've got, if you've got addictions, I promise you, it's not the devil that's telling you to quit. The devil wants to see you stay in those addictions. Oh, yeah. But the Lord is on a regular basis saying, you know, you need to quit this. And he's telling you, I'll, I'll help you. I'll set you free. Yeah. It might not be easy, but I can walk you through it. But we look at that and say, well, that's going to be hard. Nah, I'll just keep going. Your heart needs to be circumcised. The uncircumcision of your heart will cause you to stay in your sins. It will cause you to stay in your addictions. It will cause you to stay in your crummy old life like it's always been instead of moving forward into the abundant life. Sorry, that sounds kind of harsh, but that's just the truth. If you don't allow the Lord to change you, you're just going to be like you are. But if you submit yourself and say, Lord, here I am, I want to change. I know i got problems, but I want to change. God will help you. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you even have to put in some effort. It's only by God's grace that it can happen, but you probably have to do something too. You can't just stand back and say, zap me, Lord, zap me, I'm here. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. You've got you to gotta be invested a little bit. The more you do, the more God will do. Because when he sees that your heart is moving towards stripping away the old, then he'll begin to pour his grace out on you. His spirit will, will begin to break those yokes of bondage in your life. His word will become alive to you. And the thing that he's saying to you will begin to make sense. And you'll say, yeah, I get it. I see it now. Worship team, y'all can come back. You know, the walk that we have in Christ, it is such a wonderful thing. And yet, a lot of times I believe we take it for granted and we just, we're not worrying about our salvation, which is good. I don't want you to worry about your salvation unless you're not saved. Uh, if you're a believer, you shouldn't worry about your salvation. You should be worried about your relationship with the Lord. You should be worried about, am I staying pure? Am I walking with the Lord? Am I pursuing the Lord with all of my heart? Am I worshiping, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth? Those are things that you ought to be concerned with. Those are things that you ought to be striving to improve in your life. But your relationship needs to be better and stronger and closer, more intimate all the time. I hate to think um, that after 44 years of marriage, that I wouldn't know my wife better than I did when we first got married. That would be awful. <coughs> I mean, right now, I can pretty much tell you what she's thinking most of the time. <laughs> and she always knows what I'm thinking. I, you know, she, just ask her, she'll tell you. So, uh, but you know, that comes from years of, of doing things together, spending time together, 
you do the right thing, you get the kudos, you do the wrong thing, you get the boo-hoos, and you know, you begin to make the correlation, okay, if I do this, it goes well, if I do this, not so much. So you begin to see. That's the way to the Lord. When you obey the Lord, you walk with the Lord, and you see the things that, that please Him, you want to do more. You see the things that you do that grieve Him, then it's like, oh, not so much. I don't want to do those things anymore. It's all about relationship. So, Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. And, Lord, I thank you that you were so careful to show us all the types and shadows and things from the old covenant. And in, in everyday real life, you show us how things are in the spiritual realm so that we can understand them. And we understand that we need to walk by faith, not by sight. And yet, you've given us some things that we can see that make it so easy to understand. Help us to be willing and obedient so that we can taste of all the goodness of the land. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship.
don't know the Lord, you've never made that personal commitment to Him, this could be the day for you. If you're joining my live stream or if you watch a podcast later, if you don't know Jesus, this can be the time. It's as simple as just acknowledging your need for Him. You've tried life without Him, and now you're ready to say, Lord, I give myself to You. If you want to pray that prayer, it's just, this is it. I confess I'm a sinner. I need you, Jesus. I ask that you forgive me, cleanse me, come and live in my heart. I choose to allow you to be Lord of my life from this day forward. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you'd like to talk about it, I'll meet you. If you have any other special uh, prayer requests or needs, you want to uh, have special prayer, somebody will meet you and pray with you at the altar. You're welcome to come while we're singing this last song.
Help us to change, Lord. We want to be like you. You don't change, but we desperately need to change. Change us, oh Lord. Change us as we worship you. Change us in your presence. Transform us from glory to glory as we walk with you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Go and be blessed. Have a safe holiday. And we'll see you soon.